From one islander to another, Isle of Wight Radio proudly presents John Hannam Meets. Hello, a Boise here. My full range of quality motors are all equipped with the best sound systems to listen to John Hannam Meets on Isle of Wight Radio. <laughs> That's if you really want to. <clears throat> that voice, sir, actually was recorded right back in 2013 in a place called Ludlow. And I'm back. Seven years later, with the famous Boise. Nice to meet you again, John. Well, it's great to see you too, John. I'm sorry it's taken you so long to get back here. <laughs> Do you know what? I've only been to Ludlow twice yeah. on the train, and both times I've got to within about ten minutes of Ludlow, and it's been foggy. Oh, <laughs> uh, really? Yeah. So that's what you bring with you, huh? Yes. I see. <laughs> the exciting thing is you're coming to Shanklin Theatre on April the 22nd on the Isle of Wight. Yes. With Only Fools and Boise. That's right. Yes, my show is going abroad. Yes. Across the water. Was that your idea to call it that? Yeah, yes, I mean, it was a sort of uh, a producer, my uh, producer and uh, my, my lovely wife, who's not my producer. Well, she is sometimes. Well, it depends what you're producing, doesn't it? Um, yes. So we all sort of clustered together and, and, and wondered what the best title for it is. But, I mean, Boyce has got to be part of it. Otherwise, uh, if, if you say the John Challis show, some people might know, but, uh, but mostly people don't. Uh, John Challis, who's that? Who's that? Is he t- oh, he's that Boyce. You see, so it's, that's that's where the title came from. Really. On the way here today, my paper shop this morning. Where are you going today, Boise? Oh, we love only fools and horses. I oh, get no. to the ferry office. Where are you going today, Boise? Oh, you lucky devil! You yeah, know, good isn't it. It is. It is amazing the uh, the reach of it, you know, and how many people love it. I mean, in, in all sorts of extraordinary places. I mean, we we came down here oh, twenty years ago now. Um, to Herefordshire, and uh, we made up a table of the big charity do, one of the first things we ever did. And somebody came bowling over and said, I say, Boise, <laughs> welcome to Herefordshire, you must come to lunch. <laughs> and this was uh, one of the local big landowners, you know, and uh, I mean, he really was. He talked like that, and he loved the show, you know. I just found that extraordinary, you know, but he loved all the, uh, all the dodgy characters and so on, and, uh, and all the humour. Your tour starts on March the 29th in Bath. Yes. And ends in Faversham, I think, in May. Oh, God, extraordinary. I should yes. live so long. Well, hey, yeah. John Chalice, it's always nice to have a scoop, right? We just had lunch. Thank you for the salad, by the way. You brought your scoop with you. <laughs> yes. And over lunch, we found out that you're actually appearing very close to the Isle of Wight in pantomime. Oh, yes, yes, that's right. This is uh, the King's Theatre in South Sea. 2020 going on to 2021, I believe. Yeah, early January uh, 21, yeah. It's Captain Hook I'm playing in... Um, that famous pantomime, which I can't remember the title of uh, just at the moment. Uh, what's it called? Um, Jane Barry's Wonderful. Well, you, you remember it, don't yes, you? Yes, I do, yes. You were probably around when it was first written. I well, you and, you and I are Peter Pans, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> yeah. Peter Pan, yes. Uh, I'll be bringing my Captain Hook to uh, Southsea. And uh, in this wonderful theatre, the King's is one of the, the theatres in is. the land, isn't it? Yeah, uh, lovely. 
Oh, Matcham Theatre, it's just superb. It's got about four shelves, hasn't it? Yes, yes. It is four, I think it is four, right up in the gods there. uh, Once I went to a pop show there and it it virtually sold out and they sent me right up to the very top one. Ah. (laughs) Quite scary looking down. I was going to say, I'm no good with heights either, so it's a bit too high for me, I think. I love your books and um, were, were you a lonely child? In one of the books you said you had a lonely sort of childhood. Well, I was an only child, for a start, you know, which doesn't help, I suppose. Um, and, uh, yeah, I spent quite a lot of the time alone, I suppose. Um, and I think that's where I started inventing things, really. I invented sort of scenarios. Uh, I distinctly remember making a century for uh, England and winning the Ashes against Australia at Lords, uh, which happened to be in my parents' back garden, you know. But I was... I was alone. I, I played the whole innings together and I could hear the applause as I walked off and so on. Um, but I, I found friends when we were playing the, uh, the famous Cowboys and Indians, really, because uh, the main thing was that I did the most incredible uh, deaths that anybody did. I'd fall out of trees and all sorts of things, pretend arrow in the, in the uh, you know, and all that. So, so I was always, uh, I suppose I was always acting, you know, from the word go, really. So this made me a bit more popular. So uh, Cowboys and Indians and I found I had a lot of friends who did the same thing. You admit you weren't too bright at school, is that correct or not really? Well, I don't know how bright I was. I just did no work, really. (laughs) Um, So it's difficult to know. Uh, I I was quite good at English. and I was quite good at the um, subjects I was interested in. Uh, English, uh, biology, geography, uh, history was about it, as far as I was concerned. Those are the subjects I was interested in. And uh, really, they were the only subjects I ever passed at GC, but everything else I, I couldn't be bothered with, really. Maths, science, physics, chemistry. What's all this? I'm never going to need this, you know. But I was good at sport. That was the other thing I, I enjoyed. Tennis, cricket, football, so on. Would you have been a good estate agent? Cause you- uh, no. <laughs> That's an unfair question. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because uh, everybody put me off being an actor, um, understandably I suppose very insecure profession and so on and I was always a bit of a dilettante and couldn't sort of concentrate on anything for more than five minutes uh, and uh, so through uh, contact of my grandfather's I think I got a I got a job in an estate agency in uh, Surrey and the idea was that I I got experience there and I passed exams and then I qualified and I became a, a local surveyor chartered surveyor um, estate agent you know but uh, I think I lasted about six months and, uh, and then got sacked. I just got bored and um, started mucking about and couldn't concentrate. And uh, I eventually ran away and joined a travelling children's theatre. So was it almost by accident you got into acting, really? No, well, I don't think so, no, because uh, having written my uh, autobiography, I started thinking about these things, and I think it was always there. Do you know, I, I was always pretending to be other people, uh, and I had a sort of facility for uh, mimicry I suppose and I was fascinated by particularly the way people talked and I copied them I was constantly being told off for it by my parents sort of understandably but if I had an accent or somebody with a particular way of talking I'd copy it not that I was sort of winding them up I was just fascinated by it I mean one of the first people was um, I met uh, had a whistle on his s's like that you see (laughs) so I had to do it I could whistle through my teeth so I had to be like him, you see. Stop it! You know, I mean, this is this is very early on. Wow. Um, yeah. 
And then I was in all the school plays at school and uh, seen the most natural thing in the world, really, to be on stage, being other people. When you played Harry Capper in The Newcomers, which was quite early for you, wasn't it, in your mm -hmm. career? Yeah. Did you have a dream at that time? What was you sort of the plan for your career did you have one at that stage or? no I never had a plan at all I mean, it's just <laughs> I'm one of these people that uh, we'll see what the tide brings in you know and sort of go with it if I if I liked it so uh, that was my first ever television show the newcomers and uh, it was a it was a smashing part it was a sort of rag trade guy with a big sort of American style car and uh, I thought well this is easy I just f sort of fell into this and uh, I was vastly over the top because I come out of the theatre and uh, the director, the newcomers, had to keep me behind after rehearsals and saying, uh, come on, bring it down, bring it down, you don't need all that on the television, you know, you're not on the stage now. So I had that to learn because I'd spent ooh, five, six, seven years on stage and, of course, emoting, I suppose, and projecting, you know, my characters. But on television, of course, you've, you've just got to keep it, keep it real, as they mm. say, you know. Heidi, hi! Hello, listeners. You are listening to John Hannam Meets. I was looking through your career because you played a copper so many times and I found you were a copper in Mr. Rose, Softly Softly, Zed Cars, Coronation Street, Citizen Smith, oh, no. Bloomers, Law Centre, In Sickness and In Health, yeah. Roland Rat and Ratman. You were a copper in all those. Yeah, well, it's basically because I was so tall and good looking, you know. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. No, I just, I, I just fitted that, that sort of thing, you know. And, um, and also played a lot of villains as well. Yes. And... Uh, because I've got a dark old face, you know, and I'm six foot tall, you know, I could uh, look quite threatening. But I, but I was perfect, sort of slightly laconic attitude, you know, towards life. So it suited the coppers very well, I think. You were a burglar in one, one foot in the a grave. Burglar, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. What was that? Cat's eyes. You yes. Cat's eyes. Yeah, I did a few burglars. I think you did it, certainly yeah. one foot in the grave. You were a burglar. I know that. Yeah, and I didn't yeah. appear. I was a bur I, I burgled Victor Meldrew's house and then rang him up and said, "How's your tape recorder work then?" <laughs> and of course, he said, "I don't believe it." <laughs> this was a great situation. You were in crossroads too, weren't you? Uh, yeah, but I thought nobody had noticed that. Anyway, um, yes, I was. Yes. And uh, the interesting thing was, we were looking. I don't, I don't know why we were doing this. We were looking back, my wife and I, through that to uh, find when it was. Um, I remember what it was. It was a sort of dodgy photographer, um, Jim Wright. I think you were in that, Jim Wright. Jim Wright. Yeah. Jim Wright. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, <laughs> you're you're probably right there. Um, but but I I do remember it. Uh, but I wasn't actually billed. We looked through the crossroads casts and I, I wasn't on it so I thought I'm sure I was in it and uh, you know and uh yeah that was uh that was just one of those things I was doing a lot of uh, cameo roles on television uh, in those days so. John when you do something like Doctor Who I suppose people come around for years don't they and uh, the sort of Doctor Who fans because yeah. you've been in it yeah no, still still doing it never ever since uh Scorby, the, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah Seeds of Doom with Tom Baker yes ever since it came out on DVD being a big resurgence of interest in it and the Doctor Who fans that I meet they say I suppose they would say that I mean it's one of their favorite ones because they love the story 
Do you know? And and of course, I think Tom Baker was the was the great time at Doctor Who, as far as I was concerned. Anyway, um, no, it was it was a it was a favourite job. That I'm a six part story with Tony Beckley uh, and Elizabeth Sladen, of course, was was in it as his assistant, and it was a really happy job. That I envied you and wish me luck because you got. Quite close to Jane Asher, didn't you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, close enough. Anyway, yes. <laughs> no. Um, yes, I was playing a sort of a Frenchman, expat Frenchman who was living over here and uh, obviously uh, it was all to do with the uh, the underground and so on and uh, the Nazis had taken over and uh, and there was a lot of... Um, a lot of stuff going on, putting spies back in there to help the French resistance and so on. And he was one of this sort of slightly mysterious figure, and uh, and I think he and uh, and Jane's character got on quite well, and uh, it all looked very promising uh, until uh, the following series came up, and I wasn't in it. <laughs> oh. I don't know. I don't know if Jane had had a word and said, uh, <laughs> "I think I could do better than this," or something. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what happened there. So, Aubrey Boyce, really, wasn't it? Aubrey Boyce, yes. Yes, yes I was at the National Theatre trying to become a proper actor and uh, and suddenly I got a... I'd done an episode of Citizen Smith before that, written by John Sullivan, writer of Only Fools and Horses. I'd sort of infected this... Uh, another policeman, Citizen Smith, uh, with this curious way of talking, uh, like this, you know, very pedantic way. And John Sullivan came up and said, he said, I really like that. He said, I'm going to try and use it again one day. And uh, I didn't think anything more of it, really. Um, but a, a year later, I was asked to do this second-hand car salesman in a new comedy called Only Fools and Horses. But again, it was just a just an episode, just one scene in an episode. And nobody said anything. Nobody said, oh, you'll definitely be back. Or Actually, no, nobody said there was going to be a second series. And in fact, it was very lucky that there was a second series. But uh, that's how it happened. Uh, I had no idea it was going to go on and we'd still be talking about it all these years. I knew it was funny, but uh, of course there's a lot of funny shows that haven't gone anywhere, really. But it's still on all the time, isn't it? I know, every day, practically. (laughs) So it's amazing. So I get to talk about people like you, you see. I mean, uh, people like you come and uh, talk to me. So, So it opens a lot of doors, John. It's made you and the show world famous, really, hasn't it? Because people watch it everywhere, don't they? Didn't you go to Belgrave, was it, somewhere once, and somebody recognised you? Yeah, that, that's <laughs> all the bizarre things that have happened. Um, I was signing copies of my books uh, somewhere, and uh, somebody said, oh, uh, John, there's a Serbian television crew who've just turned up. And I went, oh, yeah, 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 OK, this is a wind-up. You know, where's Noel Edmonds? You know, it's got to be a gotcha. But it was true. And uh, it's the first I heard of it, and they invited me over to uh, Belgrade to, uh, to to appear on their famous chat show with uh, their sort of version of what's his name, Jonathan Ross, I suppose. He was a sort of Serbian Jonathan Ross, a big fan of the show, and uh, and so I, I went out there, and uh, and it turned out that it's really popular in in that part of the world, what used to be Yugoslavia. Not only Serbia, but Croatia, Montenegro, um, Bosnia, all this, you know. As Del Boy would say, we're big in the Balkans. Yes. <laughs> but it, it's, I mean, they're, they're crazy for it. And, uh, and we just, I've just been asked to go out there again and um, talk about the autobiography and uh, go to 
their bid sort of book distributor and uh, be part of all that. Also probably appear on television and advertise some of their products as well. It's just extraordinary. I mean, all these years later. And then, of course, the green, green grass. The green, green grass. Oh, yes. yes. That was the luckiest thing in the world. Well, we, uh, yeah, we moved down to Herefordshire about 20 years ago and uh, took a big chance, you know, this, this wonderful property we found, which my wife has a family connection to, going right back to the dissolution of the monasteries, and uh, took a big risk jumping in and trying to look after this big pile of medieval stones, you know. Um, but it sort of paid off. It's lucky we did because um, we had a party there. John Sullivan came uh, to it and he saw me completely out of context. And he came up to me halfway through the afternoon. He said, I've had a bit of an idea. He said, I'll get back to you. And um, it wasn't until two years later that Sue Holderness, who plays Marlene, and uh, myself were doing a show in Brighton. He came to see it, and he pitched the idea of the green, green grass to us. And it had all been inspired by our move down there, because he suddenly thought, what would happen if the character did what John's done? You know, And that's how it happened. Wow. And uh, we had uh, four terrific years, I have to say. And not only that, but they decided to shoot it all around Herefordshire, where we lived. So. Yes. So it must be the, the luckiest break we ever had. John Hannum can't cook, won't cook, but what a sexy voice. Monty Staines, since we last met. Monty Staines, does he? As somebody uh, yes. unkindly said, yes. Well, yes, that came out of uh, left field. Um, well, I suppose not entirely, because uh, Darren Litton, the writer, had been uh, trying to get me into Benidorm for, uh, for some time, and I'd never been available, and... Uh, I'd seen it. I'd seen it early on. I thought it was funny, bit, bit vulgar <laughs> <laughs> for me, my personal sensitive taste. But, um, but funny, but funny, you know. Um, and uh, and eventually, I was available, and uh, and I went out there, and did a couple of episodes, and uh, then got asked back to do the next series, another couple of episodes, and then another couple of, and then eventually did the whole of the last series, and. Uh, Got married to Joyce Temple Savage, God help yeah, me. Yes. <laughs> Going um, awfully well, wasn't it? You know. <laughs> <laughs> Sherry Houston, of course, Sh- wasn't um, it? Yes. Yes. Talk about high maintenance. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> no, not her, the character, of course. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, no, we we're looking forward to that... Uh, Going a bit further, exploring the relationship and so on. It's quite a, an interesting relationship. But, uh, but of course, then they suddenly decided not to do that anymore, either. So it's something about me. They keep stopping doing what I'm... What I'm looking forward to doing the rest of. You know. Do you remember playing Henry Witham Smythe at all or not? With the little glove puppet? Oh, no, what was this? Sooty, wasn't it? In Sooty? Yes. Of course, of course. Of course, that's, yes, I've forgotten that, yes. Yes, that was, um, that was interesting. I've done them all, haven't I? Roland Rat, yeah. Sooty and Noel Edmonds. Yeah. And Mr Blobby, of course. So I've worked with them all. Yeah, uh, yeah that was, uh, that was uh, something, again, completely unexpected. Would I come and do a, an episode? And I went, yeah, I'll have a go at that. And it was great fun, I must say. I got covered in ice cream, but uh, apart from that, it was fine. And I've seen you play Captain Peacock, of course. Oh, you saw? Yes, yes. yes. Are you being served? Yes. Yes, yes that, was, that was extraordinary because uh, it was a terrific cast. In that, Sherry mm. Houston was in that as well, yes. and uh, 
And it was that part of that raft of uh, new versions of old comedies the BBC were doing at the time. And, of course, uh, I mean, I grew up with it. I remember it, you know, uh, very well. And suddenly, uh, when I come and play Captain Peacock, and I went, God, I don't know, what do you do with it? I mean, you can't do it any differently. I mean, it was just so well done. And uh, then we had great fun doing it. The audience loved it, and, uh, and it did very well ratings-wise, I think. But then uh, they decided not to do that either. <laughs> so everyone said, oh, that'll, that'll go to a series because of the, uh, the cast and so on. But uh, it didn't make it. John, plug your... Well, you've got two books out, haven't you? Yes, yes, I've got... Well, I've got, um, I've got two parts of the autobiography. Um, Being Boise is the first one. This goes from day one, you know, uh, preschool days and how, how I went through school and how I became an actor, I suppose. Because so many people ask me, how did it happen? And uh, then the sequel to that is uh, Boise and Beyond, which covers uh, the rest of Only Fools and Horses and uh, the Green Green Grass and so on, right up until our move to, uh, obviously, the, the move to Herefordshire and so on. But uh, also a couple of novels... Um, with a new hero called Reggie, who's based loosely on a rather louche character I know in uh, down here. I've heard so many stories and seen so many things. Uh, I started. I've always written stuff down, you know. Um, and so that's how these novels happen. So we've got uh, Reggie a Stag at Bay is the first one, and the second one is called Reggie in the Frame. And um, he's a he's a charmer. He's a bit of a market dealer, you know. And he inherits somewhere. It's it's sort of reflective of a lot of things that happened to me down here. And a lot of those stories went into uh, into the green green grass, mm-hmm. you know. So, so it was it was quite a it, it, it was a lucky thing that all that. So this character Reggie is, uh, I mean, he's he gets into a lot of scrapes, but he's lucky and he's charming, and. Uh, I want to write a third novel if I can, if I can get it together, and uh, we then want to present it and try and make a television series out. Wonderful, of it. yeah. I like your books because you're honest. You name names, and you've had problems in your life, and you, you've written about them. And I think it, I think that's really good. Oh, do you, oh good. I, I'm I'm glad you think that because I, I thought about it long and hard, you know. And uh, it's not like everybody, you know. And life hasn't been a bed of roses all all the time at all, but. Uh, I thought in my case it was it was important for me, really, I suppose, to get it out there and write, because I'd never... When awkward things happen to you, you tend to um, uh, shove them under the carpet and, uh, uh, <clears throat> and get on with life and not think about them, you know. But this was the first time, really, I'd written stuff down. And uh, it helped me quite a, quite a great deal, I think. So uh, I'm glad to hear you say that. Um, One of the... Best things that ever happened in your life is sat about, I don't know, 10 yards from you and I at the moment. Oh, she's not that close, is she? <laughs> oh, there she is. <laughs> yes, yeah, so the luckiest thing in the world. Yes, have you I'd... got a silver wedding coming up or not? I think we might have, yes. Yes, what do you think? Yes. <laughs> yes. I thought you were married in about 95, was it? Something yes. That... Yes, interesting. Yeah, mm. very. Now, wait a minute, let me count. Yes, you're absolutely right. <laughs> You'd forgotten, hadn't you? <laughs> I told you not to bring that dog. <laughs> 25 years, gosh, amazing. But you were made for each other, weren't you? 
Oh, I think so, yes. Yeah. I, as I say, it was the luckiest thing in the world. I've been was it the fourth fourth wife? Fourth, yeah, fourth. Yeah. I mean, all that time, God, how many mistakes can you make? Um, <laughs> no, my, uh, my third marriage had uh, broken up and I'd been through a pretty tempestuous uh, rebound sort of uh, relationship. Uh, and it left me pretty depressed, I have to say, at the end of when that sort of exploded. And, uh, and my parents had also um, passed away in the same couple of years as that. So I was, I was um, not feeling great. But uh, but luckily uh, Carol turned up, and uh, it was it was it was I suppose it was a year of sort of thinking about it, fencing a bit because uh, Carol had been through a bit of life as well, you know, and I wasn't really ready, and I thought I wasn't capable of uh, of a relationship, particularly another marriage. I thought well, I was just hopeless at it, you know. Uh, but um, we got to know each other. Uh, gradually and eventually finished up going on holiday together and uh, that was it that was the end of it <laughs> and uh, I just I just feel very blessed you know that uh, that it happened so so late after so much had gone on that I, I finished up meeting the person I should have met a long time ago <laughs> I would like to thank Carol because my daughter Caroline who's obviously in the business wardrobe mistress and, yeah. and her first ever work experience job was working with Carol and she still talks fondly of those days, which is nice. That's right. This is yeah. a pantomime in uh, Southampton. Yes, isn't it? when we first uh, yes when we first met your daughter, and uh, it was a great it was a great show. It was a very unusual show, but that's that's another long story. But, yes, uh, but no, no, we've been uh, we've kept in touch, you know, all that time since then. So when was that? What year was that? God, God. It was a long time ago. <laughs> a long time ago. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I'll leave it there, yeah. So you're now on this current tour then, or you're about to start the current tour. Mm. So without giving too much away, what's the sort of format, John? Well, the format is, uh, I, I suppose it's, uh, it's really um, you know, inspired by the autobiography. And there's a lot of stories you know, I mean, in, in the lead up to you know, the big break, which was getting the part in Only Fools and Horses, you know. And... Uh, and after that, stories about you know what happened during the shows and uh, particular shows, uh, and uh, I get to meet the audience afterwards. Do you know I go out and I sign copies of the books where Carol will look after the shop, as they say, and so she comes around with me and uh, and we can uh, if somebody wants a copy of the autobiography or all the novels, I'm I'm there to sign them afterwards and so on. There's a Q and A and everything. There's such a love for Only Fools and Horses. People come and they, they not only find it uh, interesting from that point of view, but also the, the whole, there are bits about the way the business works, you know, and the, and the, the, the extraordinary coincidences and right place, right time things that happen. And people are fascinated by all that sort of thing. So, uh, so it works on several levels, I think. I will, in a few minutes, give all the dates, or most of the dates, mm. on the tour, because this goes on a national podcast. So, Yeah. Well, I, we've been doing it for what, five years now. Yes. Five odd years. So, so I must be doing something right, mate. The train got delayed today, and on the train was an American Americano singer with his guitars, and I got talking to him, and uh, I said... Uh, 
if I said Boise to you, what does that mean? He said, I love Only Fools and Horses. No, really? an American singer. I said, I'm on my way to see him. He was very envious. Really? How extraordinary. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So, Shanklin <laughs> Theatre, April the 22nd. Yes. Looking forward to it. I've heard great things about the Shanklin Theatre. Lovely Theatre. Theater. Yes. You'll I've love heard. it. You'll love it. Yeah, I look forward to it. And, of course, uh, next, or oh, this Christmas, I suppose... King's Peter Pan. Yeah, King's Theatre, South Sea, Peter Pan. And don't forget to get your tickets quickly to avoid disappointment. Otherwise, there'll be trouble. <laughs> Do you like crocodiles or not? <laughs> Whoa, no. <laughs> <laughs> Last time I did it, I got, uh, I got hooked up um, uh, in a great big fishing net and thrown over the side of the Jolly Roger into the waiting jaws of the crocodile do you know what my last line was? <laughs> Come along, Marlene, get your coat, we're leaving. <laughs> and, of course, you know, there's always that nod to, uh, to Boise somewhere along the way. So uh, we've got to find an elegant way to do it uh, this year. Could you have been a real car salesman or not really? <laughs> I don't know anything about cars at all. I know how to drive them. That's about it. But, um, but I, can do, I can do the, uh, the basic things. I suppose I could change a wheel. <laughs> well, I'm not I haven't done that for a long time. Let's <laughs> um, hope it never happens. Touch wood. But uh, yeah, I do the base. But I'm not, I'm never been interested in fiddling about under the bonnet. People do it all their lives, don't they? Yes. The garage is full of uh, cars they're doing up. We ought to plug the venue because they've loaned us. They've opened it up just for us to chat, haven't they? Yes, yes, they have. Well, this uh, here we are in Ludlow. And uh, we've got the uh, got a little chiquetti bar next door. Chiquetti with sort of little uh, little bits of food you can have, Italian style. Yeah. This is called uh, the Angel, which is uh, an adjunct to the chiquetti bar uh, next door, and it's full of the most wonderful, wonderful stuff. I mean, uh, Martin Emson, who uh, who runs the thing, is uh, is a great, shall we say, a great collector of all sorts of things, sort of uh, to do with food and uh, and wine and so on. And uh, and he's a great Italianophile, you know. So there's a lot of Italian stuff around, but it's it's fantastically atmospheric, you know. And he does fantastic food as well. So anyone come to Ludlow, come to the Angel. John Chellis, what I call one of the nice guys of showbiz. Thank you for your time, as ever. <laughs> Thank you, John. Always nice to meet up with you and Carol, of course. Of course. And I wish you a very successful tour. Uh-huh, thank you. And I'm getting ready to boo you later in the year at the King's. It's a very lonely time of year for me. I mean, everybody gets laughed and clapped and appreciated. I just get booed at. It's really wrong, sir. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Thanks, John. Thank you, John. It's great. He's got a swell personality, he meets and greets the stars with such amenity, good enough to make you coming out of the street, John Hanamid. That's right. Grateful thanks to John Chalice. It was a 15-hour round trip for me, but uh, well worth it. He's such a nice man. Hold on tight. The show is going to Bath, Northampton, Braintree, Peterborough, Bury St Edmunds, Tenbury Wells, Brighton, Uffcolm, Maidenhead, Linton, Penzance, Shanklin, East Grinstead, Broadstairs, Birmingham, Telford, Stourport, Dis, Boston, Chelmsford, Wantage, Newark, 
Tamworth, Stafford, Colwyn Bay, Chorley, Whitley Bay, Pondardor, Carmarthen, Bristol, Froome, Wellingborough, Dorchester, Ferndown and Faversham. Well, he's going to be tired after that lot. I hope he sells a lot of cars. Thank you so much for listening to another John Hannam Meets. And if you go to my website, johnhannam.com, you'll find how you can listen to uh, many other interviews and also how you might purchase my books online. Bye-bye for now. Well, that was super smashing great, wasn't it? Jim Bowen here, just reminding you, you've been listening to John Hannam. <laughs>